Okay. Yeah, Good morning, Carpenter's Way. If you're in the room, you can stand and worship with us if you want to. You don't have to, but you're more than welcome to.
direct your attention over to the baptism this morning. Well, good morning, Carpenter's Way. We are so glad to have you worshiping with us this morning, either here in person or online. I'm so excited for, uh, of course, to worship, um, but secondly, to introduce my sweet little friend, Emily Stevenson. She has given her heart to, to Jesus. And yes, isn't that awesome? She has just finished first grade, and she just wants everybody to know that she is a Christian now, and she's coming to you to be baptized this morning, and just saying uh, a public 
profession of her faith so that you all will know. Please be praying for her and her family. She is the second in line of four beautiful girls. So Jack, you are one lucky fella, let me tell you. A little outnumbered, but one lucky fella. <laughs> so, um, but Jack, they, they are also going to share with you um, just how she came to know Jesus. And so Dad, Jack, is going to baptize her and also read uh, just to let us know just her story. And then afterward, Grandpa is going is to pray for her. So when Sarah told me that we had to write this and read it, we both kind of laughed. Um, if you've never met Emily, she's one of the most unique, unique young ladies you'll ever meet. Um, she loves animals, every kind. She'll stick her arm down an armadillo hole without any fear whatsoever. Uh, she loves animals, but she's kind of a girl of few words. So she came to us and said, hey, I need to be baptized. I accepted Jesus. Okay, uh, great. So we kind of talked a little bit, and Emily would like you guys to know that uh, she wanted to be baptized in front of you so that you could see that Jesus has saved her and that you would know that Jesus is her friend now and that she's accepted Jesus to live in her heart. So I wanted to thank the church for pouring into our family uh, the way that you guys have and for keeping Sarah and I on track as we raise our kids and to thank you for holding me accountable as a spiritual provider for my family that allows me this honor to baptize my daughter. So, you ready? by your profession of faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hold your nose. She wants you to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here with us this morning and just showing us your love. Thank you for pursuing us and capturing our hearts that we may live with you forever. Lord, there's nothing we can say to describe how much love you have for us, what you've done for us, provide us a way to you. Help us to use that to further your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessed
Go ahead and stand up with us. We're going to read some scripture together out of Galatians But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. a sinner, now I'm clean. Once condemned, now I'm made free. He turned my darkness into light, and now I see.
Good morning, good morning. Man, camp was so much fun. Man, it was awesome, awesome. So I just want to tell you a couple of things that, that went on, and you kind of saw from the video, lots of wreck, okay, lots of wreck, lots of uh, water games and things like that, and we had a good time with that. Uh, but the thing that was the coolest was discipleship happened all across the week. It was fantastic. And our main speaker's name is Curtis Zachary. Uh, we, we know him as CZ. We're on that level, you know, over the week. We, we, we figured out nicknames. Uh, but he brought the message from the Word of God in context, and it was fantastic to not have to go back and, like, correct all of that, okay? He did great. Uh, but, man, these students, getting to know them was awesome. Um, but one of the coolest things that, that I saw over the week was students discipling students. It was so cool, y'all. Um, I might start crying. We had one, uh, one guy in our group who had never prayed out loud before. And uh, there was a student that took him by the hand and said, hey, man, let me help you with this. And uh, they prayed together. And so just students discipling students. Um, you know, the other thing that happened was uh, lots of decisions that were made uh, and, and, and breakthroughs and, and things that Jesus was dealing in the heart of our students and their receptiveness to, to come into the light, as it were, and begin uh, to, to walk more closely with Jesus. And finally, uh, no, not finally, two more things, all right? Number one. Uh, there was a young lady, her name is Cree, and she decided to live her life for Jesus and begin a, a brand new relationship with Jesus over our week of camp. And so now we have the pleasure of coming alongside her and helping her to grow in Christ, and I'm so excited about that opportunity. Um, one more thing. Uh, we have such a wonderful church family. And I say that because I sent out a call for uh, our, our older generation uh, to connect with our students while they were away at camp. And they answered that call. And uh, so they spiritually adopted uh, a camper. Uh, committing to pray for them all throughout the year, especially though at their week of camp, but they went above and beyond and wrote them three letters uh, while they were away at camp. And y'all, the reaction uh, and response from our students, man, it, those letters were so personal and they were uh, pointed and they were encouraging. And why this excites me so much is that now we have connections made between our students and our adults and those relationships now can be cultivated and flourished and uh, so much wisdom to be given and energy uh, it, it to be uh, just connected with with these people uh, and so i want to thank you uh, for doing that and it meant so much to our students and so our week of camp was fabulous. It was fantastic. Now we're here, and uh, we're going to continue to grow in Christ. And so thank you for all for being a part of that, all right? Dude, you have so much energy. <laughs> I'm tired watching you. Is this on? I guess, yeah, there we go. Uh, it, uh, 
He's like that every day. <laughs> I just want to go. <laughs> I get there after about 12 cups of coffee, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But, um, it is good to see you this morning, and um, apparently Mark decided to let me preach more than once every two years. And, uh, but, you know, you guys know Mark, and... and uh, you know, he kind of shies away from controversial things in the Bible and doesn't really deal with everything. And uh, so when he was looking through Acts, he realized where he was going to be at. and was like, hey, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> it's like, I got you, Big P. You can go. And uh, cause I call him Big P because he calls me every morning. He yells down the hallway, morning, pastor. And I yell back, morning, Big P. And you can take that any way you want to. Um, <laughs> But this morning, as I was kind of looking, when Mark asked me to, to uh, speak this morning, I was kind of looking ahead to where he was going to be, and I came to Acts chapter 19, and as soon as I got to it, I thought, okay, God, what else can I teach on? Because I don't want to teach on that. Um, but then I kept reading, and it's one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible that we're going to get to. Um, not because it's super spiritual, just because I think it's really funny. Uh, and you, you guys, uh, last time you remember I talked, um, when I read Scripture... Um, I put voices to it. I, you can take that for what you want to. Um, but I always read scripture and just kind of in my mind, I'm trying to kind of figure out what these characters are like. And, and everybody has these, uh, these voices. And I'm probably completely wrong on most of them. Um, but I like to think so. And so this is one of the stories that when I read it, um, the people involved have really specific voices uh, that kind of have their attitude in it. And um, I know that's weird, but that's just how I read scripture. Um, so this morning, what I decided to do was, you know what? I'm going to take some of the most non-controversial things in scripture, and I'm going to lump them all in one morning, uh, and we're just going to ram through it. And uh, you can email mark at mark at cbc.org. Um, because he tells you to email me all the time. But um, this is a great, great passage. Uh, if you haven't read Acts chapter 19, um, it's a hoot. Um, a hoot. <laughs> wow, that's a word. Um, it's a great passage. Um, and there's so much stuff. This is really three messages that I'm going to pack in to one, and I'm going to do it in about 49 minutes, um, give or take 30 or so. Um, but I'm going to pray for us. We're going to jump in this morning. God, thanks so much for your goodness and your mercy. Uh, boy, it has been a, an incredible summer so far. Uh, with Grow Camp and the lives that were changed and, and lives that are transformed through that. Um, and from youth camp, uh, God, as uh, students came to know you, as students were encouraged and challenged and, and, uh, and, and really were drawn back to you. Uh, and God, even today, as our uh, our, ch our children, our preteens leave, and, and God, just, there's so much good stuff going on, and we're so grateful for that. And God, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that we've been able to kind of take a step back and enjoy some of the humor that's in the Bible, because I think there's some great stuff in here. And this is just a great, great passage, because God, it really talks about key issues, things that we all at times wonder about. Um, so God, I pray this morning you'd speak to us, you'd encourage us, you'd challenge us, but most of all, remind us how much you absolutely love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, uh, I'm going to take on a couple of things. Uh, we're going to take on laying on of hands. Not real controversial, right? 
Um, oh, it didn't work. Um, sorry, I just had to do that. Uh, so we're going to talk about laying on hands. We're going to talk about um, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues. We're going to talk about prophesying. We're going to be talking about Carpenter's Wages' new uh, prayer cloth ministry. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> what? It's in the Bible. Um, we're we're going to be talking about um, getting beat so bad that you run around naked. It's going to be a great morning. Let's jump in. <laughs> in Acts chapter 19, um, we're just going to jump into it. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Uh, while Apollos uh, was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied, we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. So let's just start. Here's these guys who are believers. Paul asked a very simple question. Well, who baptized you? And they're like, well, John baptized us. And we look at John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is an interesting character in Scripture. Um, because John is always deflecting to Jesus. Like John understood what he was doing was important. But it wasn't the most important. John realized that there's one coming after me. He's the one you really need to follow. Right? And so we have this moment, and it was interesting that we had baptism this morning. Um, God kind of works things out that way. Um, because John was, and if you remember, John even baptized Jesus. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? I mean, that's a question people ask all the time. John's baptism was very specific. And you have to understand um, that there were a lot of ritual things that were happening, particularly in that time. There were these symbols that would happen. Um, for years before Jesus, the Jews had used baptism as a ritual cleansing ceremony for Gentiles. That John took baptism and he applied it to the Jews themselves. It wasn't just the Gentiles who needed cleansing. Um, it, was, it, was, it was everyone. And understand that John's baptism, what do you think wrong with John's baptism? But John's baptism was a call to repentance. And it, it was a ceremonial cleansing, saying, listen, I'm washing away all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm cleaning up, and, and I'm going to try to follow God's law. That was what that baptism meant. And, and so as, these, as Paul is hanging out in Ephesus, and he comes across these men, he said, look, who, what baptism did you experience? And they replied, we, we experienced John's. And Paul said, listen, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come after. Hey, listen, here's the great picture of baptism. And, and this morning, I don't know if you caught it, but when Elu was baptized, Jack really explained it perfectly. That baptism had nothing to do with washing away her sin. Her sins are already washed away. Not because she got dunked, but because she asked Jesus into her heart. 
See, the baptism that we perform today is not a call to repentance. The baptism we, we perform today is, is a picture of what Jesus has already done. It, it's, a, it's a picture of the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what it is. Listen, I tell people all the time, and sometimes people um, don't like it, but listen, getting dunked in there does about as much as me spitting on you. I mean, I'd probably get beat up if I spit on you, but you know what I'm saying? It's not water that does anything. It's the transformation that God does in your life. And when you stand up in the baptistry, and the picture is such an incredible picture, and even with what Jack said this morning, listen, it's because I want people to know my life has changed. It's a symbol of what God's already done in me, not what he's going to do. Like, I didn't get baptized because I wanted my sins washed away. I got baptized because I wanted people to know what God had already done in me. And that's incredibly important to understand. Baptism is an incredible symbol. And, and, and it is one of the things that we, we perform. But we perform it because of what God has already done. Not because of what he's going to do. Does that make sense? Uh, look, a lot of times people say you have to be baptized. And baptism is an incredibly important ordinance that we perform. But you can have Jesus in your life and never get wet. Right? I mean, this is an incredible picture of what God has done for us. Because Scripture talks about He, he took us from death into life. He, he raised us and gave us this new life. And I'm sorry, Kevin, I'm like way over the place. But if you look in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3, it says this, Or have we forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined in his death, where we died and we were buried with Christ in baptism? And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never again die again. Death no longer has power over us. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Listen, with John's baptism, a person repented of their sins and they were ready to place their faith in Jesus. John's baptism foreshadowed what Jesus would accomplish just like much of the Old, Old Testament sacrificial system did. Listen, Jesus calls us to a relationship, not just repentance and certainly not religion. God calls us to a relationship. It's not about jumping through hoops. It's not about following all the rules. It's about a relationship. It's a relationship that is provided for because Jesus paid the price for us. He paid the price. I didn't pay the price. My responsibility is to accept the gift that he offers. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's really my responsibility. It's to say, yeah, I need a Savior. And I want you. That's it. Listen, 
In Ephesians 5, it says this, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Listen. If you're God's kid, you've been adopted. He's purchased your freedom. And that has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with jumping through hoops and, and doing all the right things. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is you're adopted. And that changes everything. I mean, you literally go from death to life. You go from being an orphan to being a child of God because of what Jesus did. Not because you did anything. Not because you got dunked. But because you accepted this incredible gift that God has for all of us. In Ephesians 1, it says, And now that you Gentiles who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So let me ask you the question. What's the evidence that you're a child of God? How do you know? Well, I got dunked five times. It doesn't say that. How do you know? I mean, people question their salvation a lot. There's points in my life I've questioned whether or not I was a follower of Jesus. There's some of you that question whether or not you're really a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you the simplest way to figure it out. Do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Because according to Ephesians, the Holy Spirit comes at that moment as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. How do you know that you're a follower of Jesus? You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's not nearly as mystical as it sounds. Now, the Holy Spirit, and I'm not... Mark at cbbc.org. To tell you I fully understand the Holy Spirit, I'd be lying. I don't know. You know, sometimes I feel like and sometimes we feel like he's Casper the Friendly Ghost. But he's so much more than that. He's a counselor. He, he's the one that when I start to do something that doesn't line up with God's desires for my life, it's that thing inside of me that's going, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It, it, it's what gives me wisdom in moments that I have no idea what to say. It's the Holy Spirit that gives me peace in the middle of chaos. That gives me hope when everything is hopeless. It's that something inside of me that kind of whispers, it's going to be all right. That's how you know if you're a follower of Jesus. And, and it's not about, a couple people have talked to me this week about, um, and even this morning, well, do I have to believe in the Holy Spirit? To be saved. 
I mean, according to Scripture, what it takes to be saved is to call on the name of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And it doesn't matter if I believe in Him or not. At that moment that I trust Jesus and I accept God's incredible gift, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit comes, whether I ask Him to or not. Because that's just part of it. And it's interesting that in Acts 19, 5 through 7, it says, as soon as they heard this, these believers who had had John's baptism, it says that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 of them. Now, now listen, here's the thing. This morning, the point isn't about laying on hands on anybody or speaking in other language or prophesying. That's, that's not the point this morning. The point is this, that man, at this moment in time, in that context, that's what God chose to do. It just is. Does he repeat that? I don't know, but I know at this point in time, this is what he did. And why did he do it? It was to show that the Holy Spirit was now on these guys. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They never heard of the Holy Spirit, according to them. And so you have this moment when... We, we have to realize that, that it's about a relationship between me and God. It's not about all the stuff, all the, all the other things that we talk about. It's about a relationship. And, and, and baptism is the clearest picture of what that is. Don't ever forget that. Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I'm just going to be honest with you, you're, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. There's no hope. And Mark has said it before. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have Jesus, then live it up, because this is the best it's going to be. But if you've made that decision to trust Jesus, to, to accept that incredible gift, you have new life. You're a new creation. Everything's new. Does that mean that you don't struggle? No, we all struggle. But it means that our sins are forgiven that we have a relationship with the creator of the universe, not based on me, but based on what he's done. And that's evidenced by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And you've got to get that. Because the Holy Spirit is a... He's a player. <laughs> he's in the game. He's part of it. it there, it's just, he's inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's how you know. And that kind of jumps us into this next part of this story because as you look at Paul's life, you see the evidence of God's presence in his life. I mean, Paul's doing crazy stuff. And, and as you look at his life, you see Paul's doing supernatural things. And just so you know, Paul wasn't that good. Paul was kind of a mess, if you've ever read about Paul. Paul struggled. Paul's a guy that talked about, hey, man, I know what I, I should be doing, but I, you know, every time I try to do what I, I should do, I don't do it, and I don't know what's going on, and I wish I could do it. I mean, he's a mess. But yet God used him in incredibly powerful ways. In verse 8, chapter 19, it says this, that when Paul went to the synagogue, he preached boldly for the next three months, arguingly, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some became stubborn and rejected his message, and, public speaking, uh, and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, and he took believers with him. 
Then he held daily discussions uh, at the Hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now, there's some things in these few verses that I kind of chuckle at. The, the first one being unusual miracles. She laughs too, because she understands, right? A miracle is what? It's unusual. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, you got to get in the power to do unusual miracles. Well, I mean, I, okay. What? Like, so you know it's like some weird stuff going on. It's not like your normal miracle. All right? I mean, I perform normal miracles every day, right? Um, I, I mean, it's just like you see this, and, and it's like, God gave Paul the ability to do just some crazy stuff. But it's interesting to me that Paul didn't seem to get bogged down in the crazy stuff. He didn't seem to get preoccupied with the ability to heal people in stuff. I mean, because honestly, if that was me, I'd be like, hey, come on, I'll heal you, Pow, right? I don't know what that... I mean, but that's our culture, right? We get fixated on, like, the crazy stuff, right? I mean, I remember when I coached, um, I used to tell my players all the time, listen, man, the, the, the crazy plays are awesome. You'll make Sports Center, I promise. But it's the fundamental things that really matter. It's not the ooh, crazy stuff. It's the fundamental truths that matter. And Paul got that. If you read that passage, um, it says that, that he, he went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months. For three months he was faithful to teach. And the people weren't paying attention. They weren't listening to him. And they started talking about him. And so, listen, i got to be honest with you. If I'm Paul and I have the ability to do unusual miracles, I'm zapping people. I am. I'm just like, you don't believe? Pow! <laughs> Catch some of that, right? But that's not what he did. He didn't do that at all. I mean, that's what I would do. Aren't you glad I'm not Paul? Right? Because the people weren't listening. So he just said, hey, he was like, that's cool. I'm just going to pack up and, and I'm, I'm going to move. And I'm going to keep teaching the truth. I'm going to keep doing what really, really matters. Because I want people to understand the truth. Miracles are cool. Don't get me wrong. If I could do them, I'd do them all the time. And I'd sell them for $19.95. But he didn't do that. He picked up, moved on, he just kept teaching. Paul never abandoned the teaching of truth. He just moved locations and kept doing it for the next two years. Just kept at it. Never quit. How do you do that? How do you put up with people not listening? Especially when you know you're teaching truth. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you handle it when, when people start speaking 
negatively about you? How, how do you do that? In Paul's situation, how do you do that? My guess is, it's the Holy Spirit living inside of him that kept him centered. And didn't get, let him get all out here. I, I mean, it's incredible to watch. And the interesting thing to me is this, that not as a result of Paul performing crazy miracles, were people's lives changed? Oh, absolutely. Did people go, whoa, yeah, they did. But it says that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Why? Because Paul kept teaching. He kept teaching. He didn't get all excited and all this stuff. He just kept teaching. I mean, he would have made Sports Center top 10. But what made his ministry powerful was that he kept teaching truth. He didn't get caught up in it. And to me, that's an incredible thing. I mean, especially when you consider our culture today. Um, you know, listen. This is a great time um, for me to talk about Carpenter's Wave's new ministry fundraiser. Um, you too, for 1995, could have a sweat rag from Mark Wilkie. <laughs> Guaranteed to heal the sick, give the blind sight, help the cripple walk. But I know that it's tough times. We're on a budget, a lot of us. So for $9.99, you can have sweat cloth touched by me. It's not going to heal anything. Well, make some money, right? I mean, that's kind of how we are, right? It's like, oh, I can do a miracle. <laughs> no. God allows those things to happen, and it's not about you. God allows those things to happen so that he may be glorified and that people may go, whoa, what happened? It's not about you, and it's not about me. And Paul never lost sight of that. So do you think that people were really healed by a cloth that touched him? Yeah, that's what Scripture says. Does that happen today? Well, I don't know. I just know it'll cost you money today. I'm not, am I lying? God can do anything God wants to do. But there again, at this moment in time and in this context, God allowed this to happen. And, and you kind of look back and I step back and go, why would that happen at this moment in this time? But in a place that seemed to be preoccupied with the mystical, black magic, sorcery, fortune telling, etc., it makes sense to me anyway why God would manifest himself that way. Because these people were looking for something like that. And so it's almost like God said, oh yeah, I got it. And that's why he allowed Paul to do incredible things, unusual miracles. Because he wanted to display his power. And it's very, very clear in verse 11 how Paul performed those miracles. It wasn't Paul. It was that God gave Paul the ability to do it. That's what we miss. My ability to do anything is not because I'm good at it. It's because God allows me to do it. Um, so let me jump into what to me is the best part of the story. Maybe not the best, but it's one I laugh at every time. Um, so you have this situation where you've got people... Um, and even if you remember uh, when I spoke a few weeks ago, I think it was, um, it was dealing with casting out demons, right? 
that what got, got, got Paul thrown in jail was that they cast out a demon and people got upset about it. So this is happening in this, in this area at this time. And, and so what you have are these people who are running around casting out evil spirits and doing all these, this black magic. And, and, and this is what's happening. And it says this in, in verse 13. So the group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit said, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that's my translation. It didn't really say that. He said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now, listen, I don't go around talking to evil spirits. But if I talk to one and they talk back, um, that's, you know, I'm not handling that very well. Right? So here you have this moment where these, these, I want you to call them. I had a friend, I just side note, I had a friend who was in a small town in deep, deep East Texas, nowhere around here, um, who they used to call the Ghostbuster because he was the only one in town who would, like, go cast out demons and evil spirits. And I said, well, how did you get the nickname Ghostbuster? He said, well, one time a lady called the church and said, hey, I need to talk to the Ghostbuster. Anyway, true story. But, but here's the situation. You, you have these, these guys going around town and, 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 and trying to cast out evil spirits and, and saying all kinds of things. It's like, you know, abracadabra. I mean, like, they just would say whatever they felt like they needed to say kind of to accomplish their purpose. And so they're seeing this power that Paul has, and they're seeing God's work and, and how powerful God is. And so they go, hmm, hey, let's try that one. So they come up against this, this evil spirit, and, and they say kind of the right thing, I guess. It says, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Sounds Christian enough. I command you in the name of Jesus, you know, whom Paul talks about, to come on out. And at first you look at that and go, but wait a minute. They invoke the name of Jesus. Yeah, kind of. But the evil spirit looked at him and went, nah, I don't think so. I mean, think about that for a second. You're kind of walking around feeling pretty good about yourself. You're casting out some evil spirits. Things are happening. And you come up against this one spirit, and you try to throw something new in there. Hey, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul talks about. And that spirit goes, hold on a second. Jesus, yeah, we've heard of him. And Paul, yeah. But who do you think you are? And here's where the story gets great. Like, the evil spirit jumps on them and beats them so bad. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Don't get mad. Mark at cbbc.org. They get beat so bad. They run out naked. Now listen. I've gotten in two fights in my life. One I don't really count as a fight because a guy pushed me in a ditch and I just laid there because I was like, I ain't getting up because he can kill me. And they're both in middle school. I don't know what that was. But the other fight we didn't want to fight. Um, we used to play marbles. How old does that make me? <laughs> Kids, you know what marbles are? <laughs> but we would play marbles at lunchtime, right? And, like, I had, I had these great marbles, and, and everybody has their one just 
go-to marble, and, and it was my cat eye. Man, I'd, I was good at it. Well, there's this kid who was a bully. His name was Rodney. I still remember. And I beat Rodney. I went to take his marble, and he took mine. And I was like, hmm, what should I do here? We're surrounded by people. It's great. It's like a movie, right? Just I'm surrounded by all these middle schoolers and like girls, and I'm like, give my marble back because <laughs> I was in middle school. And so Rodney says a few words um, that I won't say here, but and he pushed me. And at that moment, I had a decision to make. I'm not saying I was walking with Jesus at the time, because probably wasn't. But he pushes me, and I, and I remember it. Like, it is so vivid in my mind. He pushes me, and I go backwards, and I catch myself, and I just automatically swing. But I did my knuckle like that. <laughs> and I caught him in the eye. And immediately, Rodney goes down like a little baby. And he's crying, and he's screaming. I'm like, yeah, man, get my marble back. And then the principal's coming. Everybody scatters. I'm like, what? Like, his eye just went, Poof. It was awesome. Like, that's what I imagined happened here. I got frogged. I, you know, I mean, that, that's my experience of fighting. Um, I didn't get expelled because the principal was like, he's a bully. Don't worry about it. Sweet. Oh, dang. I don't know if my mom knew about that or not. Just joking, mama. <laughs> that's right. That's how I felt. Right? I mean, so that's, that's my experience. Like, like, that was a beat down, and it was one punch. And I guarantee you, my, my street cred at West Orange Middle School went through the roof. They're like, man, these guys took out Rodney. <laughs> right? Nobody messed with me. I mean, I didn't, I just kind of read from conflict. But yeah, so that, that's my experience. But, but I remember, like, that changed everything. It really did. Like, People looked at me differently. They're like, oh, don't mess with him. He's going to frog you in the eye. And I was like, yeah, come on. You want some of this? Why I frogged him, I don't know. It just happened. But it changed everything. I, completely. People saw me differently. People saw him differently. I mean, it was a beatdown. I mean, as much of a beatdown can be in middle school. But it just did. Because people stepped back and went, whoa. <laughs> Don't mess with Jeff. They called me Butterfinger. Don't mess with Butterfinger. <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> Don't call me Butterfinger. Um, <laughs> or Beatbox. They call me Beatbox, too, and I did Beatbox. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not in my notes. I just went, whoa. Mark at cbbc.org. Um, <laughs> Here's, here's the funny kind of tragedy of the whole story. These guys had kind of seen some stuff, and, and they're trying to kind of make that part of their lives, and they're trying to kind of just play around with God. I'm just going to be honest with you. It scares me to death when I see people playing with God. You don't play with God. Because it never ends well. And, and, and whether they felt like, hey, Paul's getting a lot of pub right now because 
People are talking, there's a buzz about them, so we're going to use the words he's using. We're going to say things he's saying because we want to have the same like, effect that Paul's having. Or, or, I'm not sure why they did it, but they started throwing out words that sounded Christian, that sounded like the right words to say, and they got their rear ends beat by an evil spirit. Because they were playing with something they knew nothing about. Nothing about. Don't play. Don't be those guys. Just don't. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because you will end up just like they did. The power to change lives is not about you. It's not about just saying some words. It's about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. If the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you, you may make people feel better, but you're not going to make a lasting, eternal impact on their lives. You're just not, because you don't have that power. Listen, 1 Corinthians 4.12 is, is one of my favorite verses, because it just kind of says it. It says, listen, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. And there's a lot of talk. I've been talking for 34 minutes. It's not about talk, but it's about living by God's power. And how do I do that? Because I work really hard at it? Because I try really, really hard? No. It's because I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me because He came into me when I accepted Jesus' offer to forgive my sins. Any good that I can accomplish, I accomplish not because I'm really good, but it's because I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And, and this has been a great summer. It really has. And it's, it's incredible to think that it's halfway over. But we, we had grow camp. And man, it was an incredible week. And, and Alicia and her team did a phenomenal job. I mean, honestly, did a better job than I thought they would. And that's not a knock on them. But if you were here and you were around what was going on, it was incredible to see adults plugged in using their gifts and their abilities, probably in ways they never thought they would, to pour into kids, to see Alicia and her team in the Energizer Money in the back of the room up on stage, that'd be Adam, doing their thing. It was incredible. Kids responded to the gospel. Kids got saved. Kids were drawn to a closer relationship with Jesus. But at the end of the day, I mean, I know I'm married to the children's pastor, but she's not that good. Oh, I can't believe you just said that. Well, she's going to camp for a week, so I'm good. <laughs> but she's not that good. Her team's not that good. Adam's not that good. It was the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them that gave them the ability to do what happened. It was God using them. Not because they were super smart. Not because they're, and they are. Not because they were super talented, which they are. But what made a difference was the Holy Spirit using them to impact lives. That's what made a difference. What part did they all play in it? They let the Holy Spirit work in them. And they allowed the Holy Spirit to use them. That's why kids' lives were, were changed. That's why kids came to know Jesus. That's why kids were drawn closer. That's why families were drawn closer. Because they allowed the Holy Spirit to use them. Listen, Adam and those guys went to camp. First time in 29 years I haven't been at a camp. 
a little weird, not going to lie, kind of like it. <laughs> we had a student from our church respond to the gospel. We had students that were drawn closer to God. It impacted my kids' lives as God drew them to himself in a deeper way. Lives were transformed. Lives were changed. Relationships were built and strengthened. And as much energy as Adam has, Adam didn't do any of that. It was the Holy Spirit working in and through Adam that did that. It was the Holy Spirit working in and through our adults who went to camp that did that. It was the Holy Spirit working in and through the speakers and the worship leaders. As talented as they were, it was the Holy Spirit that changed lives. Their job was to let the Holy Spirit work. That was it. Sometimes we kind of get lulled into thinking that, man, I'm, I'm really good. I mean, guys like me get up here and think, yeah, I'm funny half the time. Maybe a third of the time. None of the time. I don't know. Or we get up here and we, we play like Chad and, and write little songs. Listen, sometimes I forget the songs that we sing, the majority of the songs Chad wrote. I really do. Because I'm like, hey, I've heard that song somewhere on the radio. Uh, no. Him. How does Chad write songs that impact this entire congregation? Is it because he's a talented songwriter, guitar player? I Maybe mean, he's talented. I Maybe mean, he's all right. No. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of him that gives him the words, that gives him the melodies, that, that gives him those things. And as good as Chad is, it's the Holy Spirit working through Chad that impacts people's lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Just like with Paul, God gave Paul the ability to do unusual miracles. If you're a child of God, God gives you the ability to do incredible things because of him, not because of you. To me, the moral of this whole story is don't go out and try to do God things without God. And the crazy thing is people do it all the time. Do you feel inadequate to do whatever God's called you to do? Good, because you probably are. But the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is not. Gracie was asking me, um, Gracie's going to um, give her first sermon Wednesday night. Um, and she was asking me last night, she's like, hey, do you ever get nervous? I'm like, no, I got ice in my veins. I mean, truth is, Anytime I speak in front of anybody, I get nervous. Because I don't want to say something stupid. I mean, I know that kind of, I say stuff stupid all the time. But, like, I really don't want to mess stuff up. Like, I really don't want Mark having to come back and preach X-19 again in two weeks, which he probably will. Well, he probably should. But I get nervous. And, and listen, I, man, I study. I do. I work hard. I do. But at the end of the day, It's God that accomplishes what God wants to through me, 
as hard as I work and as much as I want to be good, it, it always amazes me that God does things when I think, whew, that was bad. Because it's not about my abilities and my talents. It's about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And listen, if you get anything out of today, besides me saying naked from the pulpit, I'm just telling you right now, that's the Holy Spirit, it's not me. All I can do is make myself available and say, God, use me however you want to use me. And take the stupid things that I know I'm going to say and somehow make them make sense. God will do and accomplish things to you that you could only, probably even never dream of. Don't ever feel inadequate. Don't ever feel like, man, I can't do that. Because you're right, I mean, you can't. But the Holy Spirit living inside of you can do incredible things. In some ways, I feel like the most inadequate person to stand up front and teach anybody anything. That's what God's called me to do. And so I do it. And I really trust Him to make sense of it all. It's interesting to note that um, the sons of Sceva getting beat down from this evil spirit had a powerful effect on Paul's message. I mean, you would think, in my mind, Here's these guys are throwing out Jesus and Paul, and man, that's going to that's gonna hurt the message. Nah, not at all. In verse 17, it says that the story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. Understand, there was no Google at this point or YouTube. So it spread quickly that these sons of Sceva, these, these exorcists, had tried to call out an evil spirit, and the evil spirit went, beat him up, and they ran naked, right? So it's getting out. And it says, a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices, and a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. That's crazy to me. I mean, it didn't go well, right? I mean, they tried to exercise the demons, and the demons kind of went, beat them. And as a result, God was glorified because of a beatdown. Why? This is just my thought on the matter. But I think in a culture that was so in, in, engulfed in sorcery and black magic and, and, and fortune telling, I think they finally went, whoo, okay, that's, that God is the real deal. We're just playing. That means something. And as a result... Man, the fear of the Lord and the reverence people had for God went through the roof. This is a crazy story to me. But God does crazy things like that. God takes things I don't understand and does really crazy things that you just step back and go, huh, 
Or that's what I say. Huh, how'd that happen? How, how, did, how did we get here? Because God does what God wants to do. And, and at the end of the story, kind of just like the picture of baptism this morning, of death, burial, and resurrection, these people responded and said, listen, we're done with all this mess. We're not playing with this anymore. And just as a, as, a, as a symbol of what was happening in their hearts, they took all their incantation books and they burned them, right? Burning their books didn't do anything to save them. That was just an outward expression of what was going on inside their hearts. So they said, God, we're, we're, we're not doing this anymore. We're, we're getting rid of this stuff because we know that you're the real deal. So this morning, here's what I want to encourage you to do. One, if you don't know Jesus, all you got to do is accept the offer. That's it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to be good. You, you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to accept the offer. Call in the name of the Lord, and Scripture says you'll be saved. That's it. It's really, really that simple. We've made it really complicated. It's really not. But you don't understand. I don't have to understand. Because the moment you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. And here's the thing I'll promise you. The Holy Spirit will take care of what the Holy Spirit needs to take care of. Whatever your struggle is, He'll help you through the struggle. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't, you don't have to. There's so many people think they have to. No. Just Trust. And as you bump around through life, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, you're going to know the Holy Spirit's there, and so will other people. I, we tell people all the time, especially in student ministry, we say all the time, it's not really hard to figure out who's walking with Jesus and who's not. I mean, you can fake it for a while, but it's really pretty easy to see because the Holy Spirit just works. When you walk around and heal people and slap them and they can see? I don't know. But I know God can do whatever he wants to do. So trust him. Walk with him. And don't get beat up and run through the house naked. Because that'd be kind of weird. Just trust the Holy Spirit. He just walk with him. He'll do incredible, incredible things in your life. I promise you. God's allowed me to do things that I don't have any idea how I did them. I really don't. And I'm not... Because sometimes I scratch my head and go, really? That, you use that? But I was so good over here and you didn't do anything. And God kind of gently reminds me, yeah, I know. It's not about you. It's about me. Just walk with him. You know, our team came back from uh, down south yesterday and I got a chance to talk with Robert about some of the things that they were able to do and and listen and Jack was on that trip too um, listen they accomplished some really cool things but what they did wasn't just paint a building or fix some rotten boards I promise you that because if they allowed the Holy Spirit to use them God did incredible things that they may never know about because they painted some wood and fixed some rotten wood and, and Whatever else they did. 
ate some really good food. That's one thing I miss about going to Valley. Man, you eat good. But I promise you, God did incredible things, not because I knew how to swing a hammer, but because they were willing to serve and allow him to use them. And God will use you this week to do incredible things if you allow it. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to be good at it. <laughs> Just be willing to follow the leader of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for this morning. It's a fun passage. Um, God, for a lot of us, I think sometimes we, we shy away from, from serving you because we're not good enough to do it. And the reality is we're not. God, I pray for those of us who are your kids that we would understand that all we have to do is be available. You'll accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in us and through us if we just trust you. God, for those of us who struggle to understand the Holy Spirit, I, I don't fully get it either, but what I do know is the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and it's my counselor. It, it reminds me that I have hope. It reminds me it helps me have peace. It, it, I just know that it's there. And I know that your Holy Spirit working through me can do incredible things. If I just get out of the way, it just lets you work. So God, this morning as we go to, go to our Bible study time, I, God, I, there's a lot of stuff to unpack. And, and God, I pray that uh, for our Bible study leaders that, God, you would, just, uh, you would just lead them in the things they need to unpack. Because it may be different for every class. But God, I pray that you would just remind us that, God, it's about walking with you. It's about loving you. God, it's about allowing your Holy Spirit to work through us. It's not about us. And, God, I thank you that you love us with an incredible love, so much so that you would send Jesus to pay the price for all of us, to adopt us as your own, to take us from death to life. And then your Holy Spirit comes as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And, God, that Holy Spirit will do incredible, incredible things in our lives if we just trust you. So God, we, we ask you to be with us this week. We know you are. And pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us through your word as we continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, look at that, 11.03. Bible study starts in 12 minutes. Or 7 minutes.